Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It is Thursday, April 13th, the day before the spring game, right around 2 o'clock. Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast is back with me. Carlos, the last episode I did was kind of a solo thing where uh, the day after I got a chance to, to look at Miami's offensive line up close and personal for about 20 minutes of practice, I, I did a whole segment just on how I think they're really the only major uh, unit that's changed uh, since the end of last season, which I know was probably a little concerning for Miami fans coming off a of five and seven season. But look, Rome wasn't built in a day. Mario Cristobal's got a lot of work to do. Uh, the transfer portal window is going to open up this Saturday, the day after the spring game. There's going to be people going in there. I think Miami's going to be active. There's going to be some players leaving. So there's a lot to sort of look forward to in terms of change in the weeks ahead. But I wanted to bring you on because spring practice is essentially over. I went to uh, practice number 14 today, and uh, we've had a month of, uh, of of practices and a lot of different things to talk about in terms of what I've seen, what I've heard from others uh, who have actually been out there, non-team members, people who actually get a chance to watch practice that Mario lets in um, to get their opinions. But I want to start by getting your opinions first, and, and I want to start with sort of the latest news. Let's start with recruiting before we dive into the team, because Miami picked up a commitment uh, from Judd Anderson, a quarterback out of Georgia, three-star, uh, kind of a, a creative way for Miami to to take the edge off of losing Aaron Nolan. Aaron Nolan was the guy that was really at number one on top of their board, and uh, he announced uh, the day after Judd Anderson committed to Miami that he was going to Ohio State. I think the Canes, uh, not not that it was sort of like a pity take, like okay, we got we're stuck with Judd Anderson, but certainly, I think you know. They wanted yeah, to he wasn't at the top of their board, yeah. to, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I think they I think they wanted to uh just kind of do a preemptive strike and, and maybe show the fans, look, this guy's legitimately uh somebody that we like, Shannon Dawson likes. Um, but let's start with that. Let's start with Judd Anderson because it's the first non-kicker commitment. Miami people think Miami's off to a slow start because they've only got two commitments in this class, a kicker and Judd Anderson. Uh, but your but your thoughts on him and taking him right now in the middle of April. So, yeah, I think it says a few things. Number one, uh, it says that they they were out. They knew they were out in the Aaron Nolan race, and they're out on the other guys behind Aaron Nolan that they were interested in as well that were higher-ranked quarterbacks than Judd Anderson, which at first when I saw Judd Anderson, for some reason I flashed back to Judd Nelson. Yes, the breakfast club. And, uh, <laughs> and then I thought about Anthony Michael Hall and Johnny B. Good, that football movie he did. If you ever saw that, that thing was awesome. Anyway, yeah. so um, I, I saw that, and I was like, well – I think what's going on here with the recruits in terms of the offensive recruits, because you're seeing them take shots at receivers also and not land them, is the the quarterbacks and the receivers are looking to see what this offense is going to look like before they pull the trigger on anything. They want to see, all right, is Shannon Dawson really bringing something in here that we're going to be excited about? Is it going to be more like an open offense like with Rhett Lashley? Or is it going to be some of the same that we saw last year with Josh Gaddis? And they got to see that not in the spring game. They'll get a taste of it. But they want to see it during the regular season before they make any commitments or change their mind about anything. And that's very important. So I think the this past season, the way the offense played has set them back quite a bit in terms of recruitment of skill position players, specifically quarterbacks and receivers. And it's also put them in a position where they have to now prove themselves before they can start getting interest from these kids. The second thing I think it, 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 it shows me is um, rather than focus on going out and getting a, a, a vet in the transfer portal, which they still may do, I think they're very comfortable with Emery Williams and with Jakari Brown. And I think they feel really good about the future with those two behind Tyler Van Dyke, which means you can take a project kid like this, like Judd Anderson, who's going to need development, who's going to need time to grow into his body, who's going to need time to, to develop as a college quarterback and be the kind of player that the Hurricanes want him to be. 
eventually. But with the fact that he's got these other two guys ahead of him, that gives him time to do that without any pressure to have to be ready quickly. And I think the thing, the one thing about John Anderson, I mean, obviously he's a tall kid. He's got a live arm. I've seen enough of his film. I saw a couple minutes that he's got a strong enough arm to make all the throws. To me, his problem is going to be processing defenses right now, just because of the fact that he threw 13 interceptions to only 15 touchdowns this past season. Now, of course, that's partly because he transitioned from a wing T offense to a more spread-based offense, but it should be easier to read a spread-based defense. I mean, a spread-based offense, read the defense on a spread-based offense. So that reminded me a little bit of uh, Arthur Sitowski, who did the same thing, a uh, former Miami quarterback recruit that ended up at Rutgers. He came out of a wing T offense, went to a spread, struggled a little bit at the end at IMG, still landed at Rutgers, and then did nothing there. So I'm hoping uh, he trends a little bit upwards this coming season and understands the offense a little better. Well, I, I think for Miami, look, it's a couple things. One, I'll take this from the recruiting perspective. If you get an Aaron Nolan, I think it really helps you out tremendously in terms of being able to attract wide receivers because Aaron Nolan's on the seven-on-seven seven circuit. He's quarterbacking the South Florida Express, who, oh, by the way, has Jeremiah Smith and JoJo Trader, the two receivers that you're trying to land. Um, Judd Anderson is, is a guy who was on the basketball team this past year. He helped lead his team to the state semifinals. He's averaging a double-double uh, as a power forward and, uh, you know, wasn't really playing quarterback, wasn't on the seven-on-seven seven circuit. Now, there's still more seven-on-seven seven on seven to go, but I reached out to Judd earlier this week to ask him, are you going to be playing with any teams this year? And he said, no. He said, spring football practice starts April 19th. That's what I'm focused on. So I think from a, you know, uh, magnetism level, pool level of, of a star quarterback, you're not going to have that. But then again, Miami really didn't have that with Emory Williams last year either. He right. was a guy they got out of the panhandle. Um, and there's been nothing but positive reviews about Emory so far in camp that, that he looks really good. And I've had several people tell me that he could be the heir apparent to Tyler Van Dyke once he's gone. So, um, you know, one thing I would say about Judd as far as his performance and his play, I spoke to a couple of scouts, guys that know quarterbacks, that study quarterbacks on a regular basis. Um, one of them hasn't seen Judd throw in person, but he, he mentioned to me, Mike Glennon, that as far as a comparison, you know, Glennon mm -hmm. was a big bodied guy and he talked a lot about how, you know, what what could be the thought process here with Miami and Shannon Dawson is, look, they've got a lot of a, a big monster offensive line of six, five, six, 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 five, six, six, pretty much across the board. And that's what they plan on recruiting here for years to come. If you're going to be in the shotgun, if you're going to be in, a, in an air raid spread type offense. You need a guy who can see over the line of scrimmage easily and get the ball over there easily. Um, but I know from from talking to you over the weekend, you looked at his delivery and thought, well, maybe the delivery is something that he needs to work on. Yeah, I think his his arm angle is a little tight to his shoulder pad, uh, mm -hmm. especially for a guy that's that tall. So if you're even if you're six six, if you're firing it from like you're right above your shoulder, you're still probably going to hit an offensive lineman in the back. If you're a taller guy and you go from an arm angle up here all the way at the top. Um, then there's definitely not going to be any batted balls. You're going to get that over the line of scrimmage. So uh, I'd like to see him get, you know, during the season, maybe get some game tape, not just some highlights, see how many balls get batted when he throws. I mean, at the, college, at the high school level, he's probably not going to see too many tall offensive linemen or defensive linemen. But even when he comes on, on board at UM, we'll see how many balls get batted because of that low arm angle. I mean, that's something he can fix. That's something he can change. I've heard other guys say that his uh, his his arm delivery is 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 a little bit long in terms of uh, the way he winds up and throws. I mean, I don't think it's too bad. I think to me the the low arm angle is a little bit more concerning. But I get I, I haven't watched enough of the kid to know and to really see and evaluate. I think from the one thing that stood out to me from watching him the few time the few seconds that I saw him was he's he's got a strong arm. He get he can throw it all over the field. Yeah. Uh, he can make every throw. He's got a strong enough arm to do that. So all the other things. Uh, and he did it with accuracy from what I saw. So all the other things, you know, those are things that you could work on and develop. And the one thing I'll tell Miami fans who, who are sort of freaking out about all this stuff, you know, there's so much change uh, in college football nowadays. We've mentioned, you know, Max Olson, who works with me over at The Athletic, uh, wrote an article about how, you know, 70%, I think, of the blue chip quarterbacks in the last five years have transferred. Uh, so there's going to be quarterbacks available on the market. And like you mentioned, Carlos, I think this is a guy that Shannon Dawson handpicked. Ultimately, he, this kid, Jed Anderson, didn't get a Miami offer until early March after uh, Dawson was able to see him in person. And I think if if Shannon Dawson is going to be here for a couple of years as offensive coordinator, which is what you hope, you hope he's successful and that Miami is able to hold on them for a couple of years, that that's the kind of guy he can he can develop. Let's not forget uh, Tyler Van Dyke was recruited uh, by, by Dan Enos, uh, Jake Garcia. 
uh, was recruited by Rhett Lashley, who's no longer here, and, he, and and Jake Garcia is no longer here. He's a top 100 quarterback, top 100 player, and uh, he's not Missouri. He didn't pan out. So rankings are sort of arbitrary now. It's more about can you get um, the special quarterback that develops into something? And and when I spoke to a couple of scouts this week, that's one thing they lamented. They said, look, the quarterback evaluation, the rankings that some of these guys get, uh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of off, and, and it's really hard sometimes – for for you know evaluators to get a good feel for who these quarterbacks are going to be, they might look great coming out of high school. You might have a Bryce Young that 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 looks like a, a no doubt winner coming out of high school out of California, but very few and far between. I mean, there's a lot of misses. Uh, I went to the Elite Eleven camp um, between you know these podcasts that you and I have spoken on them. I saw the quarterback uh, Florida State got Luke Promenhoek. Um, he's committed in their 24 class. Uh, he's ranked 10th, and he beat out the guy uh, who's ahead of him, who's 6th, going to Tennessee for an invite to the Elite 11. And to me, in my eyes, when I watched the four hours of them going through drills and throwing, it was no contest. Luke Cromenhoek was the better quarterback, and yet he's ranked four spots lower. So I think the whole point that I'm trying to make here is Mario Cristobal believes in Shannon Dawson. He believes in his evaluation, and in the end, uh, Mario would love for his quarterbacks to be ranked higher because he cares about the rankings. I've told you guys that many times, and I think it helps, certainly helps uh, attract other players. But ultimately, yep. uh, if Judd Anderson's a really good quarterback, Shannon Dawson handpicked him for a reason, and they offered him a scholarship for a reason, and we'll see uh, what ends up happening with his career. But but uh, hopefully I get Judd on. I've been kind of exchanging text messages with him back and forth, get him on at some point here on the podcast talk a little bit about himself and I get a chance to go up to Georgia and watch him uh, during spring football. We'll see if I can make that happen. Um, Carlos, tomorrow we will get a chance uh, to see this Miami team go through spring drills. Mario Cristobal today said that uh, he's going to have ones versus ones. He's not going to be intermixing a whole lot in terms of backups. Uh, And that's kind of a little bit different from what we've seen in years past. Uh, We will see the ones go up against the ones, mostly in the scrimmage. We will see twos intermix with threes. That said, I, I want to caution Miami fans. I said this over a month ago, right before spring practice started. A lot of guys not going to be out there playing yep. in the spring game. So it's really hard to get a feel for where this team is in terms of progress coming off of a five and seven season. Uh, Mario himself uh, said, you know, while he feels really good about the offensive line and all the energy that they've put into it, it's really hard to tell how good they are because you don't have Leonard Taylor out there playing defensive tackle. You don't have Jared Harrison Hunt, who's a veteran, a fourth-year guy who's been in your system for a while. You don't have uh, you know, a healthy Akeem Mesador. He came back in the middle of camp and was sort of working way, his way through an injury. You don't have uh, um, you know, uh, James Williams out there at safety. You don't have some guys that are, that are banged up. So I guess my question to you, Carlos, and we can we can get into my seven tech seven takeaways from this spring. It's an article that's up on the Athletic. I, I know you read it uh, before you came on with me, but I I feel like offensive line is the one area that has really, to me, uh, you look at it physically, it looks different. We will see how if they perform differently once the season starts. But I, I feel good about that group. My question to you is: Do you do you think? Just changing personnel alone will be good enough for this Miami uh, offensive line. I think it's not just changing personnel. I think it's because of the guys they've brought in. It's going to be a change of attitude. I think they're going to have a guy. Guy, you have guys there on the line now that are not only more physically imposing, but I think they have the mentality that you need to be good offensive linemen. And I think it all starts, like your article says, with with the center, with Matthew Lee. Right? Uh, he's he's a bigger guy than Ja'Kai Clark. He's more athletic. He's stronger. He's more nasty. Um, in your article, I think it was a uh, Javon Cohen was talking about how smart he is, mm-hmm. um, identifying things, anticipating things, and that really makes a huge difference. I, I don't think people really understand how key the center position is for the offensive line. He's the guy making all the calls. He's the one making the protection calls. He's the one identifying blitzers. He's the one letting guys know what you're going to do with the front that you have right there. How are we going to run? How are we going to block this? Because there are various ways you could block the same scheme, depending on what the defense throws at you in terms of their front. Um, And he does a great job doing that. So getting the center that can not only block and be physical, but also put you in the right position as an offensive line is huge. Um, And having the confidence of his teammates already, his other offensive linemen, um, so early on, you know, just his first spring here with the University of Miami says a lot about who that guy is. 
And then you've got Cohen coming over from Alabama, who's a road grinder, who's played for Nick Saban, who's played in an offense that takes pride in beating people up up front um, and has that SEC mentality. And that bleeds into everybody else's play as well. You know, Jalen Rivers at left tackle. I'm interested to see what he looks like there. Is he athletic enough to do that, uh, to handle the speed rush off the edge? Or is he a guy that needs to be kicked back inside to guard when uh, Zion Nelson comes back from injury, if Zion's ever healthy enough to get back on the field? So that's interesting to me. I know the the uh, the offensive line, to me, just from a size perspective, you know, you've got Inez Cooper who played some last year, but he was still a freshman. He hadn't even really built his body out yet. And I think having another offseason, you know, during the springtime, getting to build his body up and then also the summer is going to make a huge impact on him in terms of his physicality and his ability to move and move guys in front of him. So I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see all these guys get out there and get to work. And, of course, the freshman, Francis Manuagoa, let's see what he's able to do at right tackle if he holds on to that starting spot. And uh, see if see if Samson Okanlola can can crack the starting rotation as well. So, the good news is we not only have bigger guys on the offensive line, more physical guys, but there's more of them too. Yeah, the depth is greatly improved, and I mean, you add seven guys, five of them uh, already in camp here, uh, going through through everything, and and three of them in the starting lineup. Um, I think you're you're going to see a different, a better unit, and and it's basically been the same starting five. Uh, for Miami most of camp. Uh, I think Javian Cohen missed the first day of practice because he was at the NFL symposium for the draft, which they now allow underclassmen to come and attend uh, so they can learn a few things. Um, and then I think at one point they they, they bumped up Francis Mauigoa, the five-star freshman to right tackle. Uh, so it's been about maybe 11 practices, I want to estimate, 11 or 12, where they've been together as the starting unit, the guys getting the, the, the first team reps and and so I think it's important, you know, that they've they've had that time to to work together. You know, I I uh, I did a um, mailbag with Grace Rayner on the ACC, and one of the questions that were was asked was, "What transfer do you think will have the biggest impact?" And I instead of coming out with you know just one answer, I came up with a, a top twelve that didn't include any quarterbacks. Um, you know, in the ACC, you have some some quarterbacks that have come in and that, that are that have a lot of starting experience. That'll be impactful. Brendan Armstrong went from Virginia to NC State. Phil Jerkovich uh, went from Boston College to Pittsburgh, and then they brought in Jack Plummer from Cal uh, to Louisville. Uh, they're sort of all reuniting with coaches that they've had there. So, on the surface, you can say quarterbacks obviously will be the most impactful quarterback transfers. But from non-position guys, I put Matt Lee second in the entire conference. And that's from feedback that I've gotten from different people around the league. Um, you know, knowing Miami's roster, knowing their situation. Um, Javian Cohen, I put fifth. So those two guys, if, if they're uh, if you have two of the top most impactful transfers in the conference this coming season, and both of those guys are all ACC type performers, I that's why I think Miami's offensive line, that's the one area that we're going to sit here at the end of 2023 and say, yeah, those dudes were better um, than, than the group that they had before. Um, and we'll see how Francis Maui Goa comes along. Uh, we'll see how um, Jalen Rivers does at left tackle, assuming he stays there. We'll see what happens once Zion Nelson comes back, as you mentioned, Carlos. You know, where does he sort of slot in? Do they move Jalen Rivers somewhere else? Do they put Zion on the right side and, and let Francis Maui go sort of share that? I don't know. I don't know if Zion, Zion Nelson will even be here. Maybe he'll enter the portal and say, forget it. I'm going somewhere yeah. else where I can where I can play. I mean, all those are, are questions that will be answered here in, in the weeks ahead. But um I think if you look at this roster, you can say there's six or seven deep on the offensive line where you have confidence in the first six or seven guys. You could put Oakland Lola in there, and I don't think you would have a drop-off in terms of talent at the offensive tackle position. He's running second team right now, left tackle. So, um, and, and if you add Isaiah Nelson, that's seven guys that I think you feel really good about in terms of their skill set and ability to move the line of scrimmage. And you know, all the feedback I got from people who, who were at camp was, look, Tyler Van Dyke was protected. And they were able to move the line of scrimmage when they wanted to run the football. So that's that's important for Miami going forward. And that's really the one, again, the one area that I sit here confidently as your as your Canes beat writer for the athletic and say, yeah, I, I think Miami will be markedly better there. Um, some other takeaways, uh, you know, today I asked uh, Tyler Van Dyke, Carlos, um, who he's built chemistry with, because, uh, look, he's always going to have it with Xavier Restrepo, right? The slot yeah. receiver. Uh, his roommate, his best friend, that's natural. Um, I want to know who he, who he really feels confident in throwing the football to, that they have a rapport. And he only gave me one name. He could have given me the political response. He could have listed all the guys and said, hey, all these dudes are doing awesome. He didn't BS. He said Colby Young. 
And Colby Young is, if you go back and you put on that Virginia Tech game from last year, I think most Miami fans would just, I mean, they felt great coming out of that game that they had a true number one receiver in Colby Young, um, you know, being as big as he is, uh, 6'4", 6'5", 200-plus pounds, uh, long wingspan. Um, I think he's performed well enough, and I think it's an encouraging sign that Miami's quarterback feels that strongly about him. That's the only name you mentioned. I also feel that it's a little worrisome that there are not more guys on this list and that there's not, uh, you know, from, from Mario Cristobal's take that, you know, the guys were inconsistent. The group at times showed improvement and then at times struggled. And I don't know that Miami's cornerbacks are necessarily that great. So that has me a little worried going forward. But your thoughts on the receiver position and everything I just said. I mean, everything you just said is what we've been saying for the last four years, I think, with the receiver group. It's been the same theme year in and year out. There's talent, there's ability, but there's inconsistency. Nobody steps up and, and takes over, uh, or not enough guys do that. So I, I'm just happy that, you know, Restrepo continues to be a consistent force. Uh, hopefully he stays healthy in the slot, and that Colby Young is, is emerging as that number one guy on the outside. You know, outside of that, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we keep waiting for Jacoby George to turn the light on and be this next big, great receiver at the University of Miami who he's shown flashes that he can do it. But, I mean, so far, he hasn't shown the consistency. Um, you're looking for other guys to step up. You know, hopefully some of the freshmen can come in and make an impact. You're, you're hoping that, uh, you know, in the slot, Brashard Smith can maybe take another leap forward and be that explosive guy you have in the slot to make plays for you. And then outside of that, you're probably just going to be relying a lot more on the tight ends again. You're going to have to rely on those guys to be a threat in the passing game and get the backs involved because you don't have enough guys on the outside that are consistent enough right now. I mean, even Frank Ladson, what are we going to do with that guy? That, it, it's it's He's not a, a guy that you can trust to go down the field and make 50-50 catches. He's not a guy that will go, go down there and fight for the ball. What he proved last year is that he's just a possession receiver. You got to hit him underneath with the ball, and every time he catches, he's basically going down right after the catch. So it's it's not that you have these game breakers on your team that you can get the ball in space right now and let him go. Um, they have the ability to do that, but right now they haven't shown it. And and I don't think we're going to get a, a lot of answers on that tomorrow. Uh, I mean, Saturday. I think what we're going to end up seeing is oh, whenever the spring game is. I don't tomorrow, know anymore. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, 730. I'm going to time warp, AC dude. Network. I, I, I mean, Friday I, I, night. I feel like I'm stuck in in, in the same. I know time you're in this. tax world. You're in tax Bro, world. You're it's, busy it's Groundhog's here. Day. The only thing, the only date I'm sure of is Tuesday the 18th because that's the last day of this damn torture, and I'm ready to throw down my my laptop and never see it again for like another month. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's it sucks, man. It sucks that we've we've waited for years for somebody to step up in this receiving crew, and be part of of the legacy of receivers here at the University of Miami that show up and blow up and become these big-time playmakers, and it hasn't happened yet. You get flashes of it here and there. But even Colby Young, Colby Young started off great and then faded towards the end of the year. I know I know a part of that is that Tyler Van Dyke went down and they, were, they had some great chemistry. But other than that, I mean, the other part of it is they started rotating coverages to him as well. They stopped uh, allowing him to get deep, and then he had pretty much nothing else in his bag. He was a deep threat, and that was pretty much it. So hopefully he shows a little bit more this season as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I would say two names of young guys that I consistently heard good things about. One of them is Isaiah Horton, who was a freshman in this last class, the previous class. Uh, didn't play a whole lot last year, but he's 6'4", 205, and I think he's got the kind of body that you need to have uh, to play that outside receiver position um, and, and be sort of a go-up-and-get-it guy, which is which is obviously a big part of the Shannon Dawson offense. I think while you're going to see the slot receivers eat up a lot of targets and receptions, Miami's going to take shots down the field. That's the one thing I think we can, yeah. we can certainly take away from the spring as far as 
uh, what Shannon is, Dawson is going to do offensively. There will be deep shots. Um, so I think he's sort of a second guy a, a, as, a, as an option uh, behind Colby Young. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Jacoby George. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to sit here and sing his praises. I mean, the three amigos were supposed to be the shit here, right? And and one of them's already gone. He's at SMU. Uh, and the other two guys, Brashard Smith and Jacoby George, have a lot to prove. And, and I'm not all, all about... Uh, you know, promoting uh, the Don Bailey All-Stars on here, you know, guys that, that that look great in practice and do great interviews and Don Bailey gets excited about, but then they come out and they really don't do anything. I want to see them go out and prove it, like you said. Um, and the other the other freshman I would say is Ray Ray Joseph. Um, I, I, I got a chance to watch Ray Ray some in high school and, you know, the comparisons to Santana Moss, I see it because he is an explosive uh, threat. I think he is the fastest receiver on the team. Um, and, and so I think Miami's going to do things to have him be a weapon in this offense. Uh, the problem is you're counting on a true freshman to come in here and do it. Yeah. And I, having done the uh, freshman report for the athletic and looking at all those numbers all year long, uh, while some freshmen certainly can make an impact and, and, and I'm not saying the receiver position isn't an area where a freshman can't come in and do it. I just think it's really hard um, and it takes a really, really special freshman to come in in the right kind of offense to thrive. And I would say the thing with Ray Ray is he's got older guys in front of him. He's got, uh, you know, uh, Xavier Restrepo. He's got Brashard Smith. Those guys, I would imagine, get the earlier looks. And I don't know how much I, I'm interested to see tomorrow how much he's used on the outside. Um, Ray Ray, if he's used on the outside and he's effective then I'd have a lot more confidence. So to me, that's one thing that I'm looking for in the spring game. Can uh, Ray Ray Joseph be an outside threat or is he simply used in the slot and how much confidence do the coaches have with him? So and, and be I think with, with smaller guys like that, like Ray Ray and Brashard Smith, I think you need to be creative in the way you use them, right? You need to use motion. Yeah. You need to put them in the backfield. You need to do different things to get them in the matchups that you want to be able to have those explosive plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Dolphins, even back in the, in the 90s, used to do stuff like that. They, they would put O.J. McDuffie in the backfield, line him up as a running back, and have him matched up on linebackers on occasion on third downs to be able to get the matchup they want to let him go to work. Um, you know, the Hurricanes have done that in the past with other players, like a Devin Hester and, and people come like, like that come to mind. And you see that a lot in college football now, especially with the motions and the movement. You can have a guy line up outside, um, and then have him off the line of scrimmage, move him in motion, and now you've got a better matchup and you've got him on the move to use his athleticism to get open. So it's just about being creative. I think at the end of the day, they're going to be able to get these guys in space with the air raid. Can they now make plays? Can they catch the ball, which is first and foremost, which we've seen this receiving core over the last few years have issues with that on a consistent basis. Can they then catch the ball and then after making the catch, make plays uh, after the catch, make people miss and get upfield, which is something they've been sorely lacking for years. One thing I will say, I think there's a lot more happiness in the wide receiver room now that uh, Josh Gaddis has been replaced with Kevin Beard. I think Beard is trying to build up these guys' confidence level. Uh, you know, we did get a chance to speak with every single one of the assistant coaches, um, you know, this this spring at one point. And uh, Beard, you know, talked. I asked him, I said, what's the one thing you're trying to accomplish with this group? And he basically said, uh, to eliminate the fear of failure. And I think there certainly was that sense last year that some guys were walking around on pins and needles uh, around the previous offensive coordinator and, and around the previous staff. And, you know, I think that's part of learning, part of healing, and part of moving forward for this group. So I'm hoping we don't see too many drops tomorrow. I'm hoping we see some guys that have, have struggled here over the last few years become more consistent. I hope Kevin Beard has that effect. But ultimately, sometimes, Carlos, coaching can only take you so far. They can only have so much of an effect. So that's why I think Miami will be very, very active in the transfer portal and trying to find a receiver. Uh, maybe they're too late to the party. Maybe a lot of the best ones uh, are already gone and, and, and in other places. But uh, they will be looking. And I think uh, you know there's a chance that they'll, they'll bring in another outside threat, at least one, uh, to try to uh, raise the level of speed and playmaking at that position. Um, I want to briefly talk about running back a little bit. I know we touched on, um, on, on tight ends, but look, only two healthy running backs this spring. Uh, Tim Harris Jr. Got a chance to talk to us. Um, you know, he said what he, what he's impressed with as far as Don Cheney Jr. And Henry Parrish, the two got the two scholarship backs that were, uh, in camp is that they're taking to the coaching. And I think last year, uh, there were certainly some running backs in the room that didn't necessarily get along with, uh, the, the position coach, 
uh, Kevin Smith. I think there was some internal issues there with guys, um, and, and, and some of those guys transferred out. So um, this group, I think, is taking to the coaching. I think that they are running physically. Mario mentioned that Don Chaney Jr. still has to shed some weight coming back of you know two back to back season ending injuries, and then that car accident that he had right before the start of spring. Um, he said Henry Parrish is showing really good bounce, and that you can see with some better offensive linemen, uh, he, he's he's not getting bogged down. I want to see that tomorrow in the spring game. We'll see if if we see that out of out of Henry, but. For the running back position, the one thing I would say is my impression going into the fall is there's going to be a committee because I don't know that there's one dominant guy in this group. I think you know a lot of the feedback I got from scouts and, and people who, who know college football personnel is Mark Fletcher, uh, the true freshman that will be coming in here over the summer, is the big kind of physical back Mario wants. And I think he's the the kind of guy that Miami needs. And unfortunately, you know, the kid that they got out of uh, Louisiana last year, Trevante uh, Sidden has been walking around um, with a brace on his knee and he's still not 100%. And and, and what I, again, I, I think I mentioned this to you in a podcast during the season last year that some people were afraid he might miss two seasons uh, because of this knee injury, because of how bad it was taking a helmet to the knee in practice. So, uh, I don't know where Trevante Citizen is, but I do know that that probably opens the door for Mark Fletcher to come in and and have a real shot at competing for serious playing time early on in his freshman year. Anyway, that's sort of what I got on the running back position. How concerned yeah. are you about it? Let's see. Let's see how confident Mario is with the backfield going into the regular season mm-hmm. um, at the end of the spring, because maybe he makes a move and picks up a veteran running back just to right. add that depth to the roster, which I think would be a smart move anyway. I think because of Don Chaney's injury history, you can't trust that he's going to be available the entire season or maybe even make it into the season. You know, like you said about Trevante Citizen, who knows if he'll be able to re- uh, be ready for fall practice. And if he is, he's going to be behind anyway. He's going to have to work his way back from that serious knee injury. So that leaves you with Henry Parrish, Mark Fletcher, and another freshman, the freshman from uh, from Dillard. So I think adding a veteran running back might be a good idea for the Hurricanes, not just because of the ability to split carries, but we also have to understand running backs play a big role in pass protection as well um, and have to be good pass protectors as a last line of defense when there are uh, teams that blitz heavily and, and are bringing pressure to help the quarterback have the time and the ability to deliver the ball down the field. And you also got to have them be a part of the passing game. So you've got to be, have, be able have the ability to be able to block and catch the ball, not just run it. So if they can pick up another back in the portal, I think it'll be smart. Um, I think it'll add the depth they need and just be an insurance policy against any further injuries or the the roster getting a little bit thinner there. But it's it's still concerning. I mean, I know Henry Parrish is a good back. He showed some some good things last year. Um, if he's looking better this year, especially behind a bigger offensive line, that's great. But I don't think he's a 30 carry guy. Obviously, I think he's a guy that you know does well with 12 to 15 carries, and you're going to need to balance that out with someone else. Yeah, and and I think Parrish, who six one two twenty five. Uh, and can run, and and if you watch a little bit of the All American game, you can certainly catch the ball to the backfield. I I, I liken him a lot to Alonzo Highsmith uh, back in the day in terms of that kind of personality, Mark that Fletcher, kind of impact. Yeah, Mark Fletcher, in terms of coming in and being that complementary piece to a Henry Parrish uh, with a Don Chaney's, you know, when he's healthy and effective, being in there to be sort of more of an explosive guy. I think that that trio could be very good for Miami this year. But you're right. I think adding a a, a piece of depth would help. Let's flip over to defense. Um, Jason Taylor, it was really cool to get a chance to sit and talk to him for maybe. Did you get lost in his eyes? I I did. I did. I was very uh, uh, in love there as I, as he was talking. I, (laughs) I will say this about Jason. He is like, this isn't just like some entertainment thing for him. Like, Hey, I want to go coach. Right. Like this is for NFL hall of famer to want to do this job. He certainly gives off the sense that he really does care and he really wants to do this. And and I think the sense I got at the end of last season from people around him was he wasn't happy with, with the situation here at Miami in terms of the backstabbing on the coaching staff and, 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 you know, the criticisms in, in, in the coaching room and, you know, some of the things that were going on. And I think Mario ultimately convinced them, hey, look, we're going to give you a spot on this staff. We want you to be here. We want you to develop here. And, and you know, he loves what he's doing. He loves working with, with the kids that he does. Um, you know, Joe Salavea is still on the staff. He's he's basically the defensive tackles coach. Jason Taylor's basically the uh, defensive ends coach. They share the room. They share the responsibilities. Um, and as far as personnel is concerned, 
Uh, I think they feel really, really good about their edge rushers. And I think most of the people who have gone out there and watched them, I think between Akeem Mesador um, and Nigel Kelly, uh, once uh, Jafari Harvey gets back and healthy uh, from his double shoulder uh, surgery injury, uh, sur- you know, surgery or whatever they had in the offseason, uh, I think between those three guys and then some of the freshmen that have come in, um, I think they feel really good about edge rusher. And and so that's a position that I think in terms of strength on the defense, I think that's one that's a little bit deeper than others. Um, but defensive tackle, you know, Mario went out in the transfer portal, got a couple of smallish guys at the defensive tackle position. Hard to replace a Daryl Jackson, uh, yeah. Carlos. Hard to get that size. And I think, you know, going through camp, I don't think anybody – out there could ignore that, hey, there's sort of a, a hole in the middle of Miami's defense that's still going to be really hard to fill even when the transfer portal reopens on Saturday. Absolutely. So I, I think the adjustment for the defensive line is going to have to be creating schemes where they use their speed and athleticism across the board on the defensive line as opposed to trying to be physical and, and, and out-muscle people uh, and, and you know win the line of scrimmage every time. I think stunts, slants, movement – some 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 of that kind of stuff is going to have to be used to be able to use use the effectiveness and the ability and the athleticism of these defensive linemen, especially the tackles, because you're undersized there. Um, and not only are they undersized, but I think a lot of the guys in, in the interior are similar size to some of the edge guys. So Akeem Mesador isn't that far off from like a Jared Harrison Hunt in terms of size wise. Right. Um, it, all these guys are pretty much similar in terms of their build. So you basically are playing with four defensive ends many times. So using their athleticism and playing them inside and outside can help and be, be to your advantage and at least use it schematically to your advantage. Yeah. Matt Lee today uh, mentioned Ahmad Moten as a, and he's a second year defensive tackle as a guy mm-hmm. who uh, he has put up some good battles with him in the middle of that defense. Ahmad is, you know, I think he's, he's got the kind of big body you want. He's over 300 pounds. Uh, but to ask him to step into Daryl Jackson's shoes in year two is, is a tough ask. So I think that's why Miami's going to keep their eyes open and really look for yet another defensive tackle here in the transfer portal to, to be able to start them next to Leonard Taylor. I think when you look at Leonard Taylor and Jared Harrison Hunt, they're playing the same position. They're, they're yeah. pass rushers from the inside uh, and very similar. I think that's a good one-two punch. This is a really good one-two punch for Miami to have Leonard Taylor and Jared Harrison Hunt spelling him off the bench. But I think it's a lot to ask any of those guys to be the, the run stuffer, the run plugger in the middle of that defense. Um, something else, I mean, look, at another aspect to this all, uh, when you look at Guidry's defense, I mean, one thing they talked about today, a lot of the, the veteran guys who spoke is just, you know, from a, from a uh, pass rushing perspective, this is going to be a lot more um, complicated, you know, in terms of what Miami throws at teams than the system they had under Kevin Steele. And so that's something I'm going to be looking for tomorrow in the spring game is, uh, you know, how different does it look? How do, where does, you know, how creative is Gidry in bringing this pressure? How often is an Akeem Mesador or Ruben Bain standing up at the edge and rushing the quarterback? Mesador mentioned that that's been a little bit of an adjustment to him. He's used to having his hand in the dirt uh, in the few practices that he's been involved in. He's been sort of adjusting himself to standing up as an edge rusher. So we'll see. We'll see how it all sort of fits together tomorrow. But that's sort of the beat. I, I would say to me, I'm expecting a big jump from Nigel Lee Kelly this year. I think that's really the special talent. Jason Taylor kind of gushed about Nigel Leak and, and what a great talent he is and how, how he's like, he said, you know, nobody, nobody can deny how much I love uh, Nigel Lee Kelly. So I think that's a kid that, that when you look at can, who can be special, right? Who's a potential uh, draft pick? Who's a, who's a guy that could eventually really emerge here and, and be special for Miami. Uh, I think Nigel Lee Kelly is that guy. Um, and we'll also see what Cyrus Moss has to offer. We'll see at some point if he can get on there. Yeah, Cyrus Moss's deal is the weight, and 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 yeah. Jason Taylor basically said, "Look, that's where he's having his issue. He, he can't necessarily. He's having real trouble putting on the weight uh, and getting to where he needs to get. So we will see if he if he ever gets there. Um, but I think right now, Nigel Lee Kelly is is the is the special guy uh, in that group. Uh, let's move the Which line. Is kind of ironic considering yeah. that that was Jason Taylor's a problem also in college that he was an undersized defensive end who had trouble putting on weight. Uh, even in the NFL, he was a thinner guy, but." Hopefully he can coach Cyrus through that. Yeah, hopefully we'll see if if Cyrus can eventually get on the field. Um, let's move the linebacker because I think that's an area that when I look at improvement, I think that has improved. Um, and Francis Maui Goa uh, or Francisco Maui Goa, Kiko Maui Goa um, has has moved into that slot and, and middle linebacker ahead of Corey Flag and done a really good job. Um, 
you know, that's some Tyler Van Dyke pointed out. We got picked off by him. He said the guy's really good at reading quarterbacks. We know how infamously bad Miami's linebackers have been in coverage the last few years, Carlos. I think between Maui Goa, Wesley Besaint, and Bobby Washington Jr., the true freshman who just got on there, 6'3", uh, 230 pounds, uh, big, big, big kid, hard hitter. I think they've got a potential NFL linebacker somewhere in there, and that's good news for Miami considering where this linebacker position has been the last few years. Yeah, and I think you add Corey Flagg coming off a season where he played uh, a little bit better than he had the previous couple of years and looked a little, a little bit more solid, looked a little more consistent. Obviously, he wasn't a world beater. He still has issues with his athleticism. But as a fourth linebacker, I think that's that's a good spot for Corey to be in, to be a backup linebacker, give you uh, spell one of these other two guys and be the kind of veteran leader that you need coming off the bench. You know, it's definitely an upgrade over the guys they had coming in, the, coming off the bench before as as veteran uh, linebackers we had on the team. So he's definitely not a Wayman Steed or anything like that. He's a little bit of a bit of an upgrade in that sense. So I think the linebacker position obviously would be a lot better. And, and it's it's encouraging to see that. Wesley Besaint has continued his upward trajectory that he's slotted himself in the starting lineup, that he could be that that answer at linebacker that we've been looking for, an athletic guy that can not only cover, but come up and make plays, uh, stop the run, make tackles, be a secure tackler, which is obviously what they've been, li- they've been lacking for the last few years. The last few years, it's always seemed like whenever a linebacker for the University of Miami has come up to make a tackle, it's like kind of like the uh, the guy from Family Guy. It's always covered in butter or or oil and running around. You can't catch me. You can't catch me. That's that's what they've been doing. So uh, thankfully, it's going to look a lot different this year. I hope. Yeah, we hope. Um, we will see in the spring game tomorrow. Cornerback uh, to me, Carlos. We talked about this in the preseason before camp started. Well, maybe somebody will emerge. Right? There'll be a number one cornerback that you can really have confidence in. Uh, Jamila Die. When we got a chance to talk to him, he was. Ba- I basically asked him. Look, you lost Tyreek Stevenson. You you lose DJ Ivy. Not that those guys were superstars here at Miami by any stretch of the imagination, but they were the number one and number two cornerbacks. Has somebody really emerged? And he said, look, nobody's a made man. Nobody's come out here and really done it. The people who have watched practice and had a chance to watch these guys in scrimmages have been compl- complimentary of Devontae Brown at times. They kind of compare him to DJ Ivy, the big, long cornerback who will occasionally break up passes. Um, but really there's nobody special at the cornerback position right now for Miami. And I, and I was talking about this with another reporter today. That's a real concern going into this, into this coming season, which is why I really feel like Miami in in order to win, win games this year, it's probably going to be shootouts. It's going to be Tyler Van Dyke trying to score as many points as he can, uh, to just keep Miami's defense off the field as much as possible, uh, and, and to, and to keep some distance, but it's, it's going to be a struggle. I think at cornerback, unless Miami finds some answers in the transfer portal. Yeah. They're going to have to go in the portal and figure something out. At least get one or two guys, uh, minimum one guy in the portal going into the fall and maybe even look at their, their safety room and say, who can we move? Is there anybody here that we could slide down to a corner position and give us some depth and give us some, some reps there so we can be at least competent and not be, have this be just a huge hole in the defense. Um, the good news is obviously you've got two great safeties on the back end to help clean that stuff up and James Williams and Cam Kitchens. Uh, you've got some depth behind them, young depth uh, that still needs to be able to develop, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, but at the end of the day, if they don't get a person in the portal, they don't get another corner or at least two corners in the portal. It's going to be a long season on the outside for the Hurricanes on defense. Yeah, uh, I think Daryl Porter Jr. at times has flashed. I think Takori uh, Couch has flashed. Takori Couch played better last season. Uh, but again, are, are these guys ones and twos or are they threes and fours? And I think that's a question Mario uh, hopefully finds an answer to here uh, between now and the start of fall that they're able to get a quarterback. Uh, cornerback. Look, Corm- losing Cormani McLean, uh, not that Cormani McLean was going to come in here right away and be a true number one guy from day one. I don't think he was that have that kind of skill set to be a true number one cornerback day one, but he, he certainly would have helped. And I think, you know, Miami really hasn't recovered from, from losing him uh, yep. in, in, at the last minute to Colorado. Um, all right. Uh, safety position. Cam Kitchen's done his job. I, I think Markeith Williams has got a, a lot of good reps with James Williams out for most of camp. Uh, so that's encouraging. Brian Balaam is still on the team. He came back. We got a chance to see that, but this is going to be all about Cam Kitchens back there, staying healthy through the yeah. whole season and, and pointing things out. He's got to be Cam Kitchens has to be special this year for Miami secondary to be average in my mind. 
Yeah, absolutely. And he's got to be the one that cleans everything up. He's got to be the guy that's back there as, as the safety and playing center field and making sure nothing gets over the top and uh, trying to limit all the big plays. But there's only so much he can do. All right. At the end of the day, these corners are going to have to do their job. They can't just be totally burnt and, and bust coverages left and right like we saw a lot last year. There's going to have to be sort of an improvement there. And I think maybe even though they're they're limited athletically, if they can at least play the scheme well and understand the responsibility, that'll go a long way in helping them uh, be a little bit better than they were last year. All right. I want to go to the mailbag. It's not going to be very long. I know you uh, I know you've got somewhere to be. I've got things to do as well. Uh, a couple of questions here. This one's from Alex Perry, a Perry, 1927. When do we start panicking about the lack of commitments this cycle? Um, you can start now if you like. <laughs> Alex, holding you back, man. No, Alex, you, we're allowed to panic whenever we want to panic. The one thing I will say, Alex, is if we remember and go back to last year, uh, Miami really didn't start picking up its recruiting till June uh, when they had some uh, visitors uh, on official visits and and they kind of went on a tear there, landing Maui Goa, Jaden Wayne, um, and a bunch of different dudes. And uh, and so while I get it, you know, Florida and Florida State are off to really good starts in 2024 in terms of commitments. You know, Florida's got a five-star quarterback, uh, some really good running backs in their class. Uh, Florida State, uh, really good talent across the board. They're they're favored to get the best cornerback in the state this year. I get it. You're worried as a Miami fan, but this is the product of being five and seven in Mario Cristobal's first year. And I think you everybody has to just sort of respect the fact that Mario is going to need to prove himself this year as a coach, as a, schem- a schematic uh, coach, and and winning Ws. You, you need more of those. You cannot have another ugly season and convince a bunch of elite kids to want to come to your program. I know uh, John Ruiz and his NIL uh, initiative has really helped Miami in a lot of cases, but money can only take you so far. And that's I why want to I give keep- you a little analogy here, right? Yeah, go to ahead, be able to, to, to be able to attract uh, top flight recruits. Pete Davidson is one of the ugliest people on the face of the planet. But look at my man Pete Davidson's roster of women that he's dated, right? <laughs> All it took is Ariana Grande. After a girl saw him with Ariana Grande and then the next fine chick and the next fine chick, before you knew it, he ended up with Kim Kardashian. My man knows how to do it. That's how you recruit. <laughs> you pick up one elite recruit and the other elite recruits start to follow. But if you end up, you know, you're a good-looking guy and you end up with a bunch of, with an ugly chick, then guess what? You're labeled as a guy that goes with ugly chicks. And that's all you pick up. So right now, five and seven, all we're picking up is, uh, you know, a kicker here, quarterback there. They're okay. Not great looking. Certainly not at the Pete Davidson level, but uh, hopefully eventually Mario gets there. Well, one thing I want to, you know, remind uh, all of our listeners uh, here, Carlos, about is that, you know, you go back and you look at last year uh, with just summer visits. Okay. I looked this up. How many guys who took summer visits to colleges in the ACC committed to or signed with that school signed with that program in the end versus how many who took visits in the fall, you know, in the October, November, December, January window ended up signing with those programs. I guess I'm going to ask you off the top of your head. If you, if I were to ask you, Carlos, all the guys who visited every ACC school uh, in June, right. In the summertime, how many, what percentage do you think signed with that actual school? 20%. It's actually a little higher, believe it or not. It's 40 Okay, and Miami comes in at 38%. 12 of the 32 guys that they hosted over the month of June ended up signing with the Hurricanes, okay, which is not a bad percentage. Uh, it's, it's pretty much on average. But again, I think, that, like I said, it should teach you what the average is, right? Like what the expectations should be. So you can get excited about, you know, all these summer visits, all the spring visits. In the end, it's the guys who come in December because when you look at the uh, the, the late numbers, the November, uh, December numbers, okay, the fall visits, 67% of uh, the visitors in the fall ended up signing with the schools that they took official visits to. So that's much a much higher percentage and much more meaningful in the end in terms of uh, when to sort of get excited about this whole process. So hopefully, ABC, baby, yeah, always hope- be closing. always be closing so there you go that's your answer um this is from ryan falcon ryan falcon one two three on twitter what players have been impressing during practice and which ones have been underwhelming ryan we pretty much uh uh, covered this but uh, i'll throw a couple of other names um at you um i i think at tight end uh 
the two freshmen uh, that came in that are part part of the early arrival, I think they've done a good job impressing the coaches where where they think, okay, these we didn't make any recruiting mistakes um, in terms of, of of talent evaluation and whether or not these guys can play at Miami between Jackson Carver and uh, the kid from IMG Academy. Those two guys that they sign um, are are legitimate fits there. Um, I think. Uh, you know, I think there's some promising signs in the secondary with some of the young guys that they that they brought in, um, especially at the safety position. Um, I can't, I'm forgetting the kid's name right now. Who who they who they just signed, big bodied guy, um, Sp- Spencer. I think Caleb Spencer from from Virginia. I think there's a lot of excitement about him in terms of uh, his body and potential down the road, and 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 being a big bodied guy at that position. Um, so. There are some other guys who have impressed, but the reality is, again, and I'm saying this over and over again, uh, it's it's spring practice and there's a lot of dudes out. So let's wait to see when the real competition starts and everybody's there, how they really, really look. Um, I think we got one more question, Carlos, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. Um this one's from Andrew V underscore 17. Uh, he gave a few questions. One was on Judd Anderson. The other one is, do you think Miami should be looking for a veteran QB? We're going to skip those because we've, we've kind of addressed it. This one's yeah. interesting. What things need to happen in the spring game for you to consider it a success? Andrew, it's real simple for me, brother. Uh, don't get hurt. Don't lose anybody important in yep. a meaningless spring game. That's the number one thing that'll be a success. Everything else, as I've mentioned, uh, you know, it, it's kind of meaningless right now. Uh, we'll see what happens in the fall. Much more meaningful time then. Yeah, I can remember last year. Everybody's excited about that receiver that came over from uh, from the JUCO, from the Mississippi JUCO, because he went off during the spring game. Right. The everybody failed to, yeah, yeah, everybody failed to realize he was going up against a 5'9 corner. That was a walk-on also. <laughs> I ran a 5'240, and then we never heard from that guy again. So spring practice, spring uh, game is a little bit overrated. Yeah. Carlos- in terms of finding out what's going to go on during the season. Yeah, Carlos, you and I will hook up again uh, soon, hopefully. I'm going to be at the OT7 um, regional over in Orlando this weekend, driving up for the two days, get a chance to see some of those uh, guys and talk to them a little bit about Miami and where they are in terms of the recruitment. Uh, a lot of good players will be out there. Uh, Team Raw from Miami will be there, South Florida Express, and then a bunch of them from around the country. So I'll be up there for two days chit-chatting with recruits. Um, I wanted to plug... Uh, Carlos's uh, stuff, the MIA all day pod. I know you're busy with tax season, but when's, when's the next pod for you, brother? Man, uh, as soon as the 18th rolls around, uh, I can start recording again because it's it's monopolizing my life right now. So after I hibernate for like a day or two, then I'll get back on the horse and start putting out some more pods. And make sure you check out uh, Carlos's pods because I love his thoughts. He loves to look at things, big perspective. You can listen to my old stuff, man. There's plenty of old stuff to There's listen to. There's plenty of old stuff there for, for you to check out. Uh, for me, as far as the athletic is concerned, uh, I'm I'm part of the new Stars Matter uh, podcast. Not a, a new podcast, but it's it. I'm part of the new group on it. Grace Rayner and I are on there with Ari Wasserman and uh, my editor Mitch Light, and we <laughs> spend about an hour talking recruiting every week. I talked about Judd Anderson this week. I talked about Miami and Ohio State and everything else in between. Jeremiah Smith and the whole fiasco with with Twitter and Miami fans uh, sort of like questioning why is this dude visiting campus. Uh, a whole nother story to get into on another podcast but Carlos thank you for coming on and and doing this with me brother and I look forward to our conversations moving forward same here man I'm looking forward to uh, ending this torture and uh, getting some hibernation in and then being an active member of society again (laughs) All right, brother talk to you soon peace peace